Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. First John chapter 4, verse 8. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. I see from without the, with the, give the mothers a tiny break and half the families aren't able to make it to church in the morning. Um, so much, uh, it's a great testimony to how much work uh, a mother does every day, but especially on a Sunday morning. Um, the thing that strikes me from the lessons, both the epistle that we heard and the gospel, is how we Christians are called to be romantics, to love and delight in love. In a, especially, this is poignant in a cynical age, um, which is very reductive as to what love is, or parodies love, and all these different um, horrible ways. Christians are called to be true romantics. And there is always the necessary explanatory word about what we mean when we say love, right? It's the huge difference. The Bible doesn't say love is God. That would lead us into you know, every man doing what was right in his own eyes. It says God is love which means God is the one who defines what love is. And as we looked at last week, the, uh, the only way in which God tells us we can show our love for him concretely is by keeping his commandments. And so love is always framed in by that keeping of the commandments against however else the world might suggest love is defined. Um, so actually, I have a very bad sermon illustration, <laughs> but that's because I'm not very good at good sermon illustrations. So imagine, um, what if I were to tell you that what is inside this bag is really heavy? And trust me, it's really heavy. It's so heavy. I mean, it's just such a dense material that's in here, right? You can tell because what you know about how heaviness works that I'm just using that word wrong, right? No matter what I say, it's manifestly not actually heavy. And so it is in the world when someone um, does something that's beyond the bounds of God's commandments and calls it love, they're just using the word wrong. Right? When someone runs away with their secretary and says it's love, it can't be love because it's against the commandments. God is love. That does not mean that love is God. But having framed love in, in that right way, uh, it's still the case that we, are, we should be excited about love in all its sort of warm, tender, sort of fuzzy feelings aspect. Love is the central theme of the scriptures. It's the, especially the central theme of the works that the Spirit inspired through uh, God's servant John. Right? I mean, like we didn't hear, I think every verse in the epistle that we just heard contains the word love. And it's because it's a message that we constantly need to hear as Christians, that God loves us. I, I think of that scene, um, it's a little bit of a rough movie, but it is a good movie in Goodwill Hunting when the psychologist is telling the the, um, the man who'd been abused and keeps saying, it's not your fault, it's not your fault. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. It's not your fault, I know, I know. And keeps repeating the same truth so that it can sink in more. We are that way with God's love. We fundamentally resist receiving it and we need to keep hearing it over and over. God is love and he loves us. And until we understand love, we don't understand God. That's the meaning, that's my paraphrase of the verse. Anyone who does not love, does not know God. And love here meaning in every aspect, both that God loves you and your love of him and the love we receive from other people and our attempt to love them. Love in all its aspects. Anyone who doesn't understand, who, who does not love, does not know God. So 1 John 4, 8 um, can be understood in a couple ways. 
Um, it's useful as a, a sort of a binary tool for discerning when two different uh, interpretations of a particular scripture are offered, when there's different um, sort of systematic theologies and ways of framing the Christian life that are presented kind of in the marketplace of ideas, a question to ask is, well, which, assuming both are really reckoning with the scriptures, which one is more loving, right? Which is loving? That's the right one. And this is really needful because we are all of us, every Christian, and I'm especially tempted by this, is, is tempted by Phariseeism, right? To think that morality is an end in itself. When morality, Christian morality, keeping the commandments is a means to an end, right? It's the means of loving God and of living in a loving relationship with God. It's not the end in itself. And so sometimes a presentation of Christian doctrine or whatever, if that love piece is missing as the sort of true end of all these things, then it's an incomplete presentation of Christianity. Right? It's more, it, it has the danger of just being a religiosity, or as some have termed it, churchianity, not Christianity. So it's useful for discernment. It's useful for um, sort of uh, discernment by degrees in our own life, that as we, one of the markers that we are in fact growing as a Christian in the life of the Spirit is, am I actually loving God and other people more? Is my heart warmer and larger towards God than it was five years ago? Is it warmer and larger towards my neighbors and my family than it was? That's one of the true tests of, is the Spirit doing His work? The more you know God, the more you will love Him. And it works in both ways. The more you seek to love Him and others, the more you have the ability to know God, who He is. And this growth in love encompasses every variety of love, the love that we have uh, for our spouses, the love that you might have for a friend, the love you have for children on this Mother's Day, the love that you have for, uh, for your mother and for your father, the love that we have for our country, the love that we have for those in need, right? Charity, a love that seeks nothing back, which should actually infuse all the other kinds of love that we experience. Every type of love, in fact, uh, are so many refracted angles of what love is as it comes from God himself, right? Every, God loves us, ha, think of the best way, like when your mom is showing you her motherly love in the best way, God's love is even better than that, right? When your friend shows you amazing friendship love, his love is even better than that. Like Jesus said, greater love has no man than he that lays down his life for his friends, just as he did for us. All this love points us back to God. And as it should, right, because God's love comes first. He loved because we loved because he first loved us. Even when we didn't love him, even before we existed, God loved us. He knit each of us together in your mother's tummy. Isn't that amazing that he loved you enough to bring you into the world and loved you so much as to bring you into the knowledge of his son Jesus, loved you 2,000 years ago when he died on the cross for our sins and loves us in the present, giving us everything we need, food and shelter and community, um, spiritual consolation and comfort and guidance. One of the things that should grow as we grow in the knowledge of God is the knowledge of his love that surrounds us on every side, before, on the sides, in front of, in every way we are encompassed by the great love of God. And how do we live in response to this love? Um, I think somewhat, frankly, and I look at my own life, poorly. Right? God is the great unrequited lover. He loves us so much. And what do we return to him but these sort of piecemeal, occasional 
gestures of love. We love in a pitiful way compared to his love. And what's to be done about that? Um, and here's where I want to end. I love the collect that we prayed. Um, it has this wonderful phrase. When we recognize, first when we recognize that our love for God is pitiful, that's actually, that should cause a bit of ache in the heart, and that ache is part of love. Only love wants to love more. And in wanting to love more, what do we do? The colleague said, praying to God, pour into our hearts such love towards you that we actually need his help to love him. And this only makes sense kind of in a gospel paradigm, right, where we bring nothing to the table but our sins, and he brings everything to the table. We're weak, he's strong. He actually gives us the gift to be able to love him. And I think parents on Mother's Day have a paradigm for this, right? You, you buy a gift to give to your child, to give to your spouse, right? Um, but that's actually the economy of love. It's giving the ability to give a gift back. And that's what God does to us. He, he pours his love into our hearts so that we can love him back and therefore enjoy his love more profoundly. All glory to him. And all we, give, we express, Lord, we thank you for your great love for us, chiefly in the love you showed us on the cross in the person of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen.